Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Health Options Show with Richard, Talk to Me Guy, and Sherry Edwards. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning. This is going to be an exciting show. I think it'll help us get rid of a lot of our fears. Uh, Richard, I sent you a picture, no, a video of somebody going down our hill, because you're out there in sunny California. I want you to see what we were experiencing. Um, Yikes. Did it out to watch us go down over those hills? Yes. With all that yeah, I'm, So for people who don't know, I'm in California, where, yeah, we have earthquakes, and I live in a place that gets flooded, but not snowed. and not. I mean, we've had dustings of snow, but this footage you sent is like, for somebody who's not spent much time driving around in snow, I mean, it's just amazing to see the realms. It looks like, you know, where that is in this. My first thought was in the spring, it must be amazing. Right now, it looks terrifying. Uh, you know, that much snow. Wow. But beautiful. It had about four inches on a great big hill. And I am so happy today that it's only raining. And I'm so happy that we have a guest that I think may be able to help us all, and I think at the end we're going to love him if he can keep us out of trouble. It's Dean Michael, the tax doctor. He will be with us shortly after a few announcements. Um, almost everyone has a horror story about the IRS. I quake in my boots when I talk about it because... From experience, they're allowed to lie to you, and you're not allowed to lie to them. It's such an unfair system that we know that you're going to go into stress during this tax season. So we have decided to put up on our site, the soundhealthportal.com, one of our programs called Compatibility. No, not Compatibility. Um Neuroplasticity. That is about what nutrients you need to keep your brain calm. <laughs> so if you're starting to fret about the, your taxes, um, that's our sponsor. They'll do it for you for free. Just go in, give them a vocal print, 30 seconds, and they'll tell you how to keep calm. Uh, we are also... Uh, sponsored by the keynote that we put up every week that's up. And the frequencies that are in stress this week for everyone is back, uh, back and stomach. So those long muscles down your spine and at, at even at the bottom of your spine. So just be extra careful um, with your back. Our official sponsor is the Institute of Bioacoustic Biology and Sound Health. They put all this keynote and um, neuroplasticity stuff together for all of you. I think, oh, we are just coming to you from California, from the studios of Blog Talk Radio. There's no video with this one. Uh, so, Richard, do you have any announcements before we go on? I have one reminder for people. This is going to be one of those shows. I want everybody to take a breath. We're going to talk about taxes. Ooh. Um, or oh, I'm not sure. I can't come up with the right voice yet. There will be an effect in here somewhere. We're going to talk about taxes with the tax doctor. So it's time to see the doctor. Uh, 
but first, I want to remind people that you can hear this show about 10 to 15 minutes after we're done by going to soundoptions.com, click on the radio tab, and then click on the Blog Talk Archive Player tab, and the last five shows will be there. Uh, you can also go to any of the uh, podcast aggregators like iTunes or Dogcatcher or Pocket Cast or, boy, there's a lot of them now. I have some favorites. Uh, that you can go and you can search for Sherry Edwards and you'll find our over 550 hours of shows now in that list. And this show will be there. The podcast aggregators usually take a couple of hours to produce the show. But I just have the feeling that this is one of those shows you're going to want to listen to again and or possibly send to your friends. And that's really easy to do using something like Stitcher, uh, where you can then share it to other people. Just There's easy buttons to click, and you can share it either in social media. And you can also, for those of those of you that might be Twitter-inclined, you can also look at TaxHelpMD. Search for that uh, handle. That's uh, Dean's handle. And or Talk to Me Guy. That's mine. And uh, there's... Both on his channel and my channel, we posted information there about the show. So does that, because I know people are going to listen to this. And there's one announcement that has nothing to do with taxes, uh, that I just enjoyed this headline so much I had to share it. It's about the environment. This is in Mother Jones. The headline is, here's the worst anti-science idea of the week from the Republican Congress. The head of the House Science Committee is pissed about research into Monsanto's Roundup herbicide. Insert any number of words that you might think I could use regarding that. And it's this guy is saying, you know, that he doesn't really think there's a dispute about glyphosate. He thinks it's, you know, marketed by Roundup and that's good. And he says back in the, you know, 2015, the literature was, uh, even back then, in 2015, he didn't say this, uh, there was declaration that the glyphosate was probably carcinogenic to humans, and yet he's opposed to any further research. Not interested, doesn't want to fund it, wants nothing to do with it. This is the head of the science, House Science Committee in our government. So I'll say no more about that, I'll, but I sure could. Just blows my mind. Say about it. Okay. Think about just announcement this week. Germany is going after GMOs to sort of to investigate and look at them. And I think New Zealand, a couple other countries have already outlawed it. So, are we just behind the times as United States, or is it like you say, uh, follow the money, and whoever has the most money to pay off the most people? gets to keep their jobs. Okay, that's the end of my soapbox. <laughs> oh, I could buy, we could play tennis with that. So good. It's such a I it just blows my mind that in this day and age of all the research exactly what you're saying and all the research that has been produced and of course the number of times that we've interviewed Stephanie Sinef, one of the experts in the area of GMOs and glyphosates and you know all that. That just blows my mind that the head of the science committee on this is like, no more research. I don't believe that. And really, I'd like to have somebody do a flowchart on where his funding comes from. All right, now I'll stop and happily introduce 
<laughs> Dean Michael. More than hey, how 20 are you? Years, Good morning. More than 25 years ago, Dean Michael found himself at odds with the IRS. At that time, he found the help that he needed and figured he could be, couldn't be the only one in this country making these types of tax mistakes. So he researched and found that one out of every three people in the country have back tax problems. He surrounded himself with tax professionals and learned everything he could about the tax resolution industry. Now Dean teaches CPAs, enrolled agents, and tax attorneys how to resolve back tax issues and has been helping people who have made the same mistake he did ever since. Dean founded Tax Help MD, specializing in tax resolution services. If you owe the IRS more than $10,000 or haven't filed tax returns for many years, Dean and his professionals can help. They can stop IRS bank levies, wage garnishments, and property seizures. Tax Help MD also may be able to help able to settle your tax debt for pennies on the dollar. Dean Michael has been helping individuals and business resolve tax problems for more than 20 years. Dean joins us so we can talk with the tax doctor. Welcome, Dean. Thank you, Richard. I you pretty say much Jay. said everything about me already. I don't have anything left to say. <laughs> I'm just joshing. We have some questions yeah. from the audience, but Richard always has a wonderful lead-in, so go, Richard. <laughs> My question is, how did... In in high school, were you the kid with the pocket protector and a slide rule? Well, you're not that old. A pocket calculator. I mean, how did you how did you become the tax help MD? Oh uh, well, I mean, just as you said in in the bio, I mean that pretty much explains everything. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm pretty much the opposite of the pocket protector kind of guy. Um, but much like you, you said in the, in the bio, I, I found myself in, in tax trouble many years ago. Um, you know, my mom passed away when I was a young kid. So after that, I really wasn't the most responsible person in the world. I went, you know, many years without filing my taxes. And I waited and waited and waited until the IRS basically forced me to get help. So right now, I would be my own perfect client that I would look for now, the one that procrastinates the most and, and gets gets behind on things. Uh, long story short, uh, once they started levying my bank accounts, garnishing my wages. I didn't have any choice. I had to go and get help. And what they had done is just made their own assessments based on income that was reported under my name, and they file your tax returns for you when you don't file. So long story short, you know, they said I owed about $75,000 and uh, 10 years of it hanging over my head worrying about it. When it was all said and done, I ended up only owing about 900 bucks. Now, obviously, wow. I was happy about the outcome, but at the same time, I was kicking myself in the butt for letting it hang over my head for so long. So, you know, at that time, like you said in the bio, I just kind of researched and I met with accountants, CPAs, enrolled agents, tax attorneys, and uh, I actually founded a company uh, way back then. Um, I forget the name of it now. It was so long ago, but... Uh, ever since then, I've been helping people who made the same mistakes I did. Well, some people say to us when they come on the show that the ability of the government to collect taxes is actually illegal, and they go about fighting it. Most of them end up in jail, but 
what's the real truth about that? Boy, do I have story after story after story on that. And and a lot of the things that they do uh, are really over the line, a, a gross stretch of authority, uh, abusing their authority. And um, right now especially, when I call into the IRS and, and I'm talking to people on the other end of the line, sometimes I have to wonder what their hiring process was because I'm talking to people that really don't sound very educated at all. Uh, they don't know anything about what's going on with the cases that I'm calling in about, yet they're setting stipulations for me. Um, I have an example, a gentleman, 71-year-old man that I just started helping recently. Uh, they're garnishing 50% of his Social Security, and wow. they're only supposed to take 15%. They've been doing this to him for the last three or four years. They've been doing that, and uh, it, it's just really a gross stretch of, of what they're allowed to do. And I don't know how they get away with it or why they get away with it, but, uh, you know, there was a gentleman a long time ago, not, actually not that long ago, named Erwin Schiff that used to uh, tell people, if, I think he offered a reward, if you could show him where there was a law saying that you had to pay taxes, that he would give him some type of reward. And he actually tried to fight the IRS on this, and, well, he inevitably ended up in prison. So it doesn't matter if there's a law or not. They still put you away. And is there – so you say – and I'm not I'm not uh, quoting. I'm just – you're stating that they only can take 15%. How do they pull – not only how do they pull off the 50%, how can – can't somebody sue them, or I mean, is there anybody that can tell them no, you can't do that? Or are they really the kind of the, I don't know what kind of word I want to use. The not a, I don't know what to call that. Is there any way? Well, as you know, far as suing them, I mean, you're trying to, you're fighting them with your own money. I haven't seen anybody win that wanted to sue them. Um, and I've had people come to me and ask me to sue them for them, but to me, it's that's just a, a losing battle. It's kind of like when you go to tax court. It's pretty much a losing battle as well. So you want to mediate things or negotiate things before it ever even gets to tax court. Um, as far as holding them accountable, you know, a lot of these individuals didn't know what the laws were. Like uh, This gentleman had no idea that all they could take was 15%. He's, he even went to the IRS himself to ask for some type of reprieve, but um, they wouldn't give it to him. So if you don't have a tax professional backing you up, you know, now that I've just I've just taken on this case recently, so I'll be contacting the IRS in his behalf uh, once I get all the ducks in a row. I have to get them filed up to date first because I can't negotiate anything unless you're filed up to date. So I'm getting that done, and then I'll be able to contact them and, and point out the error of their ways. I doubt I'll ever get the money back that they took, but uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to at least – uh, get rid of the garnishment altogether. Wow. Well, how do um, they I just go ahead, Sherry. Do they just walk in and say, "I'm taking fifty percent. I don't care what the percentage I'm allowed to take." Is it just because people are uneducated? Exactly. Exactly. I had. I have another scenario when a gentleman contacted me. He was, I think, he was sixty-eight years old. And the IRS had just taken his entire 401k, which he was living off of. And they're not supposed to do that if you're living off of it. 
uh, just like if you're a younger person and you don't have access to the 401k, IRS is not supposed to have access to it either. But in this particular case, he called me up and said, I don't have any money. Uh, the IRS took all of it. Can you help me? I figured this was going to be a quick call. I was going to be able to just say, hey, you know what? You know you're not supposed to be doing this. Give him back his money. You know, and, and it'd be an easy case for me. I had to battle for six months to get this guy's money back, even though wow. they did something that was totally illegal. They just kept pushing it off to the next manager and the next manager and the next manager, and they just dodge it for as long as they can. And do you think it's incompetence uh, that's making them dodge, or just there's a flow chart of like how long we can bounce somebody around and get as much money as possible? I think that uh, I, I don't know if it's incompetence. In, in some cases, I'm sure it is, but they know what they're doing is wrong. And a lot of these revenue officers, they just overstep their boundaries. You know, they get on a big authority kick. They they always push the button. So when they hear that you have a power of attorney on a file, a tax professional that's representing you, you know, obviously they'll walk a much straighter line. But even then, some really don't care. Wow. Um, I want to back up a little and sort of set a foundational uh, point of when does a taxpayer – know that they need your services? What's the flag for them or the indicator or the warning sign or the aha moment where they're like, wow, I need your services? Well, you know, if you're just filing regular W-2 income and, you know, it's it's simple tax prep work, obviously you can go to your local H&R block. You don't need me. But uh, if you haven't filed for many years or you have a significant tax debt, that you're unable to pay, you don't know what to do, so that's causing you not to file, um, or the IRS is already levying your bank account, garnishing your wages, trying to seize your property, that's when you call me. That's when I get to come in and hopefully have a big red cape on and save the day. I sure like the idea. <laughs> me too. Very much. Me too. <laughs> um, and what happens, what happens if you ignore the IRS? You know, if they've contacted you and you just ignore them, well, or non, let me put it this way, you're non-responsive. You're non-responsive to them. That's where the enforced collections come in, and this is exactly what we were just talking about a little while ago. You know, they'll start levying bank accounts, garnishing wages, and they'll even seize your property, especially if you have investment properties. Um, and you really have no say in it until you contact them to set up some type of program. Wow. And what hap- what happens to the person, not that I know anybody, but what happens if you haven't filed tax returns for many years? How long well, can that go on before they come after you? <laughs> if, if you, again, are just a regular W-2 employee, taxes are being taken out of your check, and at the end of the year, the IRS owes you money, you get a refund, then it doesn't matter. They'll let you keep going on forever. It doesn't matter because uh, you only have three years to collect that money. So the, the collection statutes are, are kind of twisted around as well. They have 10 years to collect from you. You only have three years to collect from them. So they don't care if you file a tax return that has a refund coming back to you. But what they do care about are 1099 independent contractors, business owners, what have you, that uh, owe large sums of money at the end of the year. They're going to generally catch it about three years after uh, your first non-filing. That's when they're going to catch it. And they're going to warn you that they don't have it, 
and then after that point, if you still don't file, they're going to file what's called a substitute filed return, an SFR. And when they file that return for you, they file you in the highest tax bracket possible. They don't put in any exemptions, deductions, write-offs, and they come up with this big erroneous figure that they claim you owe. And so if you're in that position, you're wondering how you got this big erroneous figure and you didn't make a bunch of money, yet the IRS is coming after you for this big large sum, and uh, you haven't filed, well, now you know why, because they made up the numbers, came up with an assessment. It's kind of like to wake you up, and it's, it's exactly what they did to me many, many years ago. That's why, you know, after I filed all the tax returns, all I owed was 900 bucks. It wasn't 75000 It was a gross exaggeration. Yikes. And kind of so lay person... What's that? I said, so they can lie to us, but we can't lie to them? Not at all. Not at all. Um, you know, and again, I don't know if it's about lying to us. It's just a matter of, again, using their authority in in such an adverse way that it's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. They're they're the collection agency of all collection agencies. They can do what they want when they want. They can reach in, take out whatever they want at, at any time, and you have no control over it. You know, think about this. When they come and levy your bank accounts, they're also going to leave you $100 upside down in your bank account. So they're they're not going to leave you flat even. They're going to take more than what you owe uh, or, or more than what's in the account and leave you upside down. Go ahead, Richard. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Okay. Um, I think I was going to ask, can a layperson – you know, I, I smart is in quotes because it related to taxes. Who knows how smart mm-hmm. you need to be? Uh, more experience, if anything. But can a layperson go to IRS and resolve their tax problems without somebody like yourself? Do you think? Well, of course, of course you can. Of course you can. But then you could also end up in the same position as the gentleman that I just told you about, where he mm-hmm. went to the IRS to find out why they were levying half of his money, and he never knew that they couldn't. He was just trying to get some kind of reprieve. You know, I kind of, I always kind of correlate it to you could also go out into your garage and fix your car. If you've never fixed a car before, you know, you get under there with a wrench and a hammer and try and fix whatever it is. Then you're going to have to pay somebody else to fix what you broke on top of what was already broken. <laughs> so basically that's the way I kind of correlate it. You know, if you go into the IRS and, and you haven't done this, you know, hundreds of times before, you're not going to have the experience and the know-how to take care of it and, and get the best resolution available to you. It's just that simple. Plus, you know, it's like that old cliche, you never talk to the cops without your attorney. Same thing here. You know, If you contact them and you give them information that could hinder our ability to get you the better resolution, then shame on you. So it's always best to get some type of advice from a tax professional that you trust. We have a couple of questions uh, from our audience. Uh, one of them is very, very long, a whole page. I'll try to uh, condense it. says that our country was founded on the idea that in England we were uh, taxed unfairly, and so in this country there was some kind of law that says they can't put you in jail for a debt, and they want to know if you have any background or information on that. There, He's right. There is no debtor's prison. And um, so that you're safe. As far as not filing returns, that is illegal. So you can't ignore them altogether. You know, um, 
a lot of people, when they call me, they're worried that they're going to be going to jail for the amount that they owe, and it's just not so. You know, and it really doesn't matter how much you do owe. You know, people get freaked out by it. But the important part is how you're going to pay it back or the repayment terms. Are they on your terms or IRS's terms, or will there be any repayment at all? You know, and all these things are, are decided down the road once we get financial qualifications and find out what, you, what what your situation is. But as far as debtor's prison, he's absolutely right. There isn't any. So how can they – so they don't usually put you in prison for a debt? No, IRS they put you debt? in prison for fraud. Ah, mm. that's the way they get around it. Exactly. Okay. Next question from our audience, and this is kind of a long one too. <clears throat> we pay taxes to earn money, to spend money, to drive on a highway, to have permission to drive, to use gasoline, to own a car, to smoke cigarettes, to fly on a plane, blah, 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 blah. I mean, there's like 30 things listed here. Mm-hmm. Um, are we allowed to take those taxes off as an expense? or All these other taxes uh, we pay, are they tax-deductible? I guess that's mm. the word for it. No. No, that's a simple question. No. Uh there are wow. some taxes, uh you know, I'm pretty sure you're able to write off uh, some other type of taxes like property taxes or something like that, but um you know, as far as what you paid on cigarettes or what you paid on gas and uh, all the sales tax, no. There is nothing whatsoever. And sales tax is a whole another issue. I mean, that's that's a nightmare all in itself for business owners. And a lot of a lot of business owners find themselves in that type of trouble and it's it's very very difficult to get out of. It's not something that's easily uh rectifiable. Well, do you have a short list of do this and you won't get in trouble? file <laughs> even if you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. Well, don't don't file if you don't know what you're doing cuz that's that's another problem that I run into. You know, I had a gentleman uh, just recently uh, he's getting audited for one of the years that he filed, and he's an intelligent fellow. He, he's an engineer, as a matter of fact, and he filed his returns thinking he, he never even thought that he was going to need anything to back it up later on. He just put the numbers in. He said, I read the directions on the on the tax return, and I added and, and subtracted, just as it said, and I came up with the figures. And now IRS is auditing him where if you're going to be going into an audit, you need to have the receipts to back everything up. Well, if you don't, then you automatically lose the audit. So doing a tax return and not knowing what you're doing can be very harmful. You know, you have plenty of tax practitioners everywhere. They don't charge that much to file a tax return for you. I strongly recommend using one of them, you know, someone near you that you trust and you know and has a good reputation, uh, that's that's a good idea rather than guessing your way through it because guessing your way through it is going to cause you a whole bunch of problems. Well, Yikes. I've been audited for eight years straight um, a few years ago, and one of the things that auditors said to me, you don't pay yourself enough money. I'm going to put down that you make 50000 a year, and that's what you're going to pay taxes on. I just thought that was just totally stupid because I didn't even make half of that, but he threatened me with it. And really? It was, it was over um, an embezzlement that we had, and a woman who had turned in 
uh, false records of how much the company had made. So when we got into this audit and they ended up uh, charging us like $60,000 and we said, you know, this is an impossible situation. She embezzled money. One, can we take off the embezzlement? And two, we went out and borrowed the money on our property to pay this. And when we went to court uh, with all of it, she admitted her guilt. And they told us if we'd pay this off now, when she admitted guilt, they'd reopen it and give us our money back. Big, fat lie. Of course. So my my advice to people is don't don't borrow money to pay anything like that because once you pay it, it's closed, and they will not open it again. Any mm-hmm. comment on that? Well, you know, as far as the big, fat lie, I can't tell you how many times that uh, clients have told me that they went to the IRS and they met this nicest lady there or this nicest gentleman there that helped them fill all this out and do this and do that. And then the next time they went back when something went wrong, they couldn't find that person anymore. It's impossible to get that person, especially if you you know you call in and you're under the same situation. But uh, as far as audits are concerned, we've got one thing that's for sure. When they audit you and you don't prove them wrong on the very first year, then they're automatically going to look at two more years. So, you know, if you don't prove them wrong on the first one, they're automatically hitting two more years. And then you're on the audit list. They're going to randomly hit you again, and they can go further, just like you said they did with you. And it becomes a never-ending nightmare. Uh, You've been through the audit process yourself. You know how long it is and how they drag it out and, and basically hang you over a barrel. You know, it's it's a ridiculous scenario to be in, and it's just scary for everybody, for everybody. And you know, I'm really wary when I take on audits. You know, before I do, I make sure that they have all of the information to back up the numbers they put in there or at least have a reason why the numbers were there to begin with. You know, so all in all, audits are just a scary situation. I'm going to tell another and- horror story, too. Um, can I interrupt um, oh, please. Yes, you? no, you're on a roll. I love your story. I mean, I'm sorry about your story, but it's a great story. And just a few years ago, we got an audit uh, notice from the state of Ohio, and it was for 1998. Wow. And it was a ridiculous amount of money they wanted. And I said, we're not even required to keep records back that far. And he said, well, you'll just have to take our word for it, won't you? And so I had the records. I don't throw much away. And we proved them wrong, and they ended up owing us. We still don't have that refund. Really? Wow. Even though they tell you you only have to keep records for uh, Mm -hmm. seven years, his explanation was if we say it was fraud, we can ask for your tax records, I think he said from 1896. Yeah, and go back as far as they want if it's fraud, for sure. And, of course, even if it isn't, that's what they'll say if they want to be nitpicky and they want to just make things difficult for you. You know, And the difference between the state and the federal uh, is also the fact that the state can collect from you until you're dead. The federal has a 10-year statute of limitations. So if they don't collect the debt within that 10 years, the debt goes away. 
and that's where the hardship programs come in, and you, and you play out the, what they call collection statute expiration dates. But the state, they're a lot more aggressive than the IRS will ever be. So one of the key things to do if you're in tax trouble, uh, it, your tax professional should be taking care of the state first because, like I said, they're a lot more aggressive. And, num and number two, when you're figuring out you know, the equation to determine what type of programs you qualify for at the IRS, the IRS will take into consideration payments you're making to the state as a, an absolute necessary living expense for the equations. But the state doesn't care how much you're paying the IRS. They just want their money. One of, one of the reasons we borrowed money is because their percentage of interest is so incredibly high. So they're, trying, they're putting you in a stranglehold where you have to borrow from the bank or you're paying outrageous usury. Yeah, um, and I don't know they, what, well, they get around the usury laws by just putting penalties on top of the interest. That's how they get around it. It's not really the, the interest that's outrageous. It's the penalties that they throw in with it altogether. So that's how they get around the usury laws, too. Go ahead, Richard. Wow. I hear you with a question. No, no, I just, I, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm changing my name and leaving the country. Um, <laughs> what? Why does somebody, or, well, actually, let me change this. What are the differences between the services of your tax help MD versus my CPA or my local tax preparer? Well, first of all, tax resolution isn't what they teach in CPA school or tax preparer school or whatever class you took there. They don't teach you how to negotiate back tax debt. It's only it's the experience and, and the experience is derived from experience. You know, the knowledge is derived from experience. And if you haven't actually resolved uh, back tax debt at all, you're not going to you're not going to know how to do it. And this is why, you know, when I hire people to work for my company, even the tax attorneys, the CPAs who haven't done it before, uh, I have to train them how to do it. It's not something that they teach in school. So, you know, CPAs, they're great for bookkeeping, tax returns, and stuff like that. But when it comes to negotiating back tax debt and really getting you out of the trouble that you got yourself into, that's where I come into play. Well, we and, talked about, like, right? Go ahead. <laughs> this is such an important subject. We're talking over uh, each other because uh, we're all anxious to know about things. I asked a minute ago about a list to keep us out of trouble. Is there anything other than just file a correct um, statement? Is there more? Well, it all depends on your, your particular situation. You know, number one, if you're a 1099 uh, independent contractor, you know, where they're not taking taxes out of your check, good idea probably to set aside estimated payments quarterly or maybe even send them in quarterly. Some people like to just set it aside because, you know, they don't like what the government's doing with their with their money anyways and they don't want to overpay. But the most important thing is that, you know, you don't want that big amount owed at the end of the year that you can't pay. So obviously preparing for that is very important. Filing even though you know you're going to owe is very important because as we mentioned before, it's not illegal to owe, but it is illegal not to file. Um other than that, uh, make sure you keep track of your receipts. You know, like you, you went through that. You know what that's all about. That's very important. So, I, you know, I deal with a lot of 
of truck drivers. You know, I do another show doing the uh, Truckers Network, and so I deal with truck drivers quite a bit, and they find themselves out on the road and and uh, having trouble keeping things all together. I always suggest to them that uh, you keep some type of scanner, or even your cell phones have now a way to you know take pictures of the receipts that are important, so that it stores them. Because later on, some of those receipts, you know, could be many years down the road. They're in a shoebox sitting in a hot cab of a truck or something. Some of the inks already wore off. You know, they send me in shoeboxes full of things, of receipts, and some of them are just blank pieces of paper that came out of the gas pump. So it really doesn't do any good if you don't scan them in, take care of them, organize them, and keep everything under control. So really, be or um, be orderly. Yeah, that's why we're both so now we're both silent because we're like, oh my god. Um, <laughs> so be so be orderly in a certain sense is what you're saying. And I think the idea of I do that with business cards. I take I go to a conference and I take pictures of business cards and then they're just in my file of pictures so I can go back to refer to them later. So I think the idea of taking pictures of receipts and having them instead of I have. I'm raising my hand. I have boxes of those pieces of paper that uh, I look at them and I think, what is that? I can't remember. I didn't make a note. And at the time, you think perfectly well that you're going to like, I'll go back and I'll note that later. No, you're not. <laughs> that's yeah, my that's exactly. my. You know? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You know, like I said, I, I deal with truck drivers quite a bit. And in my first years dealing with the truck drivers, it was like uh, – Eight years ago, I started doing that show. Eight to nine years ago, they would, you know, I got a lot of clients all at one time, and of course, they had already been digging themselves a hole for many years. They would send me in these huge boxes full of receipts. I swear, some of them were, you know, much bigger than the shoe box. It were just big boxes, you know, like something an air conditioner would come in, <laughs> you know. And I got so many of them, I had to start bringing them home to start working them out and. You know, I'd go home from the office at night and start putting something in the computer and, and adding and, and figuring it all out. I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm tripping over them. <laughs> it was a nightmare. So uh, keeping organized is very, very important, very important, uh, especially you know if you want your tax preparer to take care of you at the end of the year because when you go there and drop off a box of receipts, number one, most of the time you're going to end up paying more for bookkeeping because they're going to have to go through and try and figure out what everything is or is not. And uh, and then on top of that, pay for the tax prep. So if you keep everything organized, you know, there's certain programs. They have apps on your phone for it. I don't know the names of them to, to keep receipts and what have you. Uh, I used to recommend a, a scanner, which was a little portable scanner made by NeatDesk, and it reads the OCR text on the receipt and actually categorizes it for you. So it's pretty neat. Mm. You know, your tax prep guy, can actually, you can actually let him share the file. So it's almost like you're scanning them right to his computer. Nice. Wow, there's so much information, and we have another question from our audience. The new tax laws and tax relief, is that going to give anybody or any company any relief? I'm sorry? They're asking about the new tax uh, laws and relief that um, Trump is putting into place. Is there anything that we should know from there uh, that we should do differently? You mean the legislation that they're coming out with for 2018, right? No, where uh, they're saying nobody under 24000 has to pay taxes, and there's this great big um, child, uh, what do you call it, uh, deduction. 
Oh, uh-huh. those child credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if nobody under twenty-four thousand has to pay taxes, do they have to even keep any kind of receipts now? Honestly, I don't. I don't even know how how those uh, different changes in the legislation are going to make a difference on the tax prep in eighteen. Yet, you know, everybody has gotten the same information that I have. They'll be sending us what's called a circular before filing next year, which are going to definitely define all the different changes, and of course they'll make the changes to our software as well. But, you know, the major things that I saw was they were taking out personal exemptions and uh, upping the standard deduction instead, I mean doubling the standard deduction instead, which I don't understand the purpose of that, but also changing the tax brackets, you know, by two points here and there. It's still pretty much the same tax brackets, just divided up differently. So what's the purpose of that change? To me, it just seems like a, a bunch of moving around, and still you're going to end up in the same place. I don't see where it's a tax relief at all. And I think they just put this sunset rule on there, thinking that you know, when people actually believe it at that point, if we say we can only do it for this long. I don't know. That, that's my opinion. Well, uh, ten questions come to mind. Um have you written any books, or is there a, a stash of information uh, to help people after they get in trouble? And do you have something before they get in trouble that they can have access to? Can they call you? Do you do workshops, conferences? I guess that's kind of all one question. Okay. Well, first of all, I have a wealth of information on my website at mytaxhelpmd.com. All right. Plus, you can always call in. Uh, we have a toll-free number. It's 888-557-4020. Someone's always available. As a matter of fact, my office phone, if I'm not at it, it'll come find me on my cell phone. You can call me day or night. So I'm I'm open all the time. The only time I don't answer is if I'm on the phone with the IRS and I can't hang up because I don't want to wait on hold all over again. But on my website, there's a wealth of information, um, the different services that we provide, um, there's also some press releases that I've written on there. Uh, you can see what other people are saying about us. And what I strongly recommend is, you know, if you've fallen behind, if you're one of those people that's just kind of had it hanging over your head like a dark cloud and you've been scared to do anything about it, just give me a call. You know, we can talk about it. I offer a free consultation, and you can find out exactly what's going to be happening from that point forward so it doesn't hurt anything. And if somebody comes to you, I read, but I can't find now, unfortunately, in the notes. You came up with a way of going back and reviewing um, some part of what I will call notes from the IRS on a case and kind of figuring out what it's going to cost somebody or, or how much work is involved. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, of course. The difference between me and a lot of the other companies out there uh, when you call them up, they're ready to just charge you thousands of dollars with barely even knowing your last name or, or what kind of situation you're in. With me, I do what's called a tax investigation. I contact the IRS on your behalf. I order all the transcripts on your account and find out what years have been filed, what haven't been filed, what they've assessed you with, what penalties have accrued, and that will basically give me a blueprint as to what I need to do moving forward. It will even tell me what type of collections they're going to be doing moving forward. So I can protect you right up front as well. So rather than guessing, you know, based on the information you have about your particular story, which, you know, could be skewed because it's many years involved and and really you're not the tax person to have that type of knowledge anyways, 
rather than going on just that and, and hoping that you're scared enough to pay pay me thousands of dollars, I like to deal in facts, not fiction. I want to know exactly what I'm doing before I get into it. You know, I'll also tell you if I can't help you in the same respect. So to me, doing the tax investigation just makes good sense because then I have all the information from you, and I have all of the information that's in the IRS's system, and with that, we know exactly what we can do moving forward. I like it. Um, I see in my notes here something referred to as currently not collectible. What is that? That's a program with the IRS, and what does that mean? Well, currently not collectible. It doesn't make your debt go away right now. But what it does do is it stops the IRS from moving forward with enforced collections like bank levies, wage garnishments, property seizures. And it makes it so that you're not required to make a payment to them, a monthly payment, for as long as you're in the same financial situation you're in right now. I can, if I can prove at the end of the month, after paying all your bills, that you don't have any money left over, then you qualify for currently not collectible. And to me, that, that's a pretty good program to use. Uh, the reason why I like it is that it solely relies on math, whether or not you're approved or not. It isn't up to somebody else's discretion at the IRS. You know, if you're talking to someone at the IRS and they got up on the wrong side of the bed, they're not willing to go along with what you're trying to negotiate, uh, they don't have the ability to deny it if I can prove it on paper. So that's why I like using those types of programs rather than, you know, the settlement for pennies on the dollar, pie in the sky, magic wand approach that you hear on the TV all the time. And I'll sign up for that one. Um, <laughs> what is uh, what is offer in compromise? How does that how does that come about? Well, that's what I was I was just briefly touching on. Offer in compromise is is a real program. Uh, I used to use it many years ago when I got in the business. It was a fantastic program. It allowed you to settle out for pennies on the dollar. And so the problem with that is that many people abused it over the years, and since then IRS has pretty much tightened up the reins on it. And that's one of those programs where it's up to the person reviewing it on whether or not you get approved. So if someone woke up on the wrong side of the bed and they're reviewing your offer and they just don't want to give it to you, they don't have to, even if you're the perfect candidate on paper, even if the math works perfectly. But it can work, and it does work for uh, senior citizens, someone that's on a fixed income. The IRS knows they're not going to get their money anyways. Uh, then and only then uh, will, I, will I recommend trying to do an offer. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of different avenues and a lot of different aspects that you look at to determine what the best program is for each given case. It's not just a, a one-size-fits-all. We have three questions that's come in from the audience. One of them is kind of funny. Uh, most people know that Lois Lerner was that head of the IRS, and she used her position to attack political um, opponent. What would you like to see done to her? That was one of the questions. <laughs> <laughs> what would I like to see done to her? I'm not a vindictive kind of guy. I let judgment be up to God. <laughs> oh, he hasn't smited her off the planet yet, but I no, think it would be a good thing. It's not my job to judge. You know. The next one, uh, why are they charging income tax on yards 
On what? Yard sales. Yard sales? Garage sales. People selling things from uh, their garage or their yard. This lady is saying that she had a three-day garage sale and a tax man came and shut her down. Really? So, um, you have any information on that? Why they're allowed honestly, to do that? Honestly, I've never heard of, of that happening before. In, in all my years, I haven't run across that scenario. Um, you don't charge sales tax, so that shouldn't be an issue. These are items that you once paid for anyways uh, out of your own pocket. A tax man shouldn't be able to shut you down for selling your own property. That's ridiculous. That makes no sense at all. I'm a little bit skeptical about it just because how would he even know that you're not going to pay taxes on her, that you weren't going to claim that income? You know, most people don't because it's just a little bit of extra income anyways, and it's it's off something that you paid for previously. Unless you want to figure out what your original cost was for that item and a depreciation after that and figure out what your true capital gains was, I think that's a little bit more to go through than just for a yard sale. Well, maybe it was some local thing that was going on. But one, one, let's just take one dollar. How many times is it taxed? It's taxed when it comes in as income to the company. It's taxed when it's paid to you as a salary. It's taxed when you buy it. And then those people have to pay taxes on, I mean, how many times can they tax? One dollar. It just seems incredible. That's yeah, my stuff. I never, I never understood the, the payroll tax myself, the, the 941 payroll tax. You know, as a business owner, sorry about that. As a business owner, you know, why do you have to pay to pay somebody? It makes no sense at all. I'm, I've always thought that tax to be outrageous. You know, a lot of these things that they're doing are, are outrageous, but that one in particular, you know, you're paying someone, you're not actually receiving income. Why do you have to pay tax to pay somebody? You know, not only do you have to take the tax out of their check, but you also have to match it as an employer. So you're paying to pay. I never understood that. It's always it's always boggled my mind. And you get nothing for it. Nothing at all. And you get in big trouble if you don't pay it. You know, this is why they, people try and do things, you know, kind of the gray line. You know, rather than having a W-2 employee, they'll try and, you know, put them as a 1099 independent contractor, even when they're not supposed to, because... It saved them on the payroll tax, and people are willing to to take that gamble, roll that dice to see, you know, if they ever get caught, because it's certainly going to save them a ton of money by not having to pay that tax. Well, it seems uh, back to you know, sort of in the same category to me of the payroll tax, is what seems to me is talking about that gentleman with the taking fifty percent of his social security, even though somewhere the rules. Mm-hmm say only up to 15%. It seems like there are so many other examples, but in terms of the IRS, it seems like they once they have your money, getting it back is really hard. And like with the gentleman with them taking 50%, they've got that happening, and you're going to have to wrestle them to mat, mat like a death match in a cage to get them to stop doing that because they have it. We have that money now. We've got that ball rolling. We don't want to give it back. And it just seems like a weird – it's, it's amazing to me that if, if a regular business, if a, if a you know, regular brick-and-mortar store handled the business the way the IRS does, somebody would come in and give them trouble. 
that's my view. That's not exactly an editorial. That's just an opinion of like, really, how is that possible? These people are supposed to be working for us theoretically. Um, yeah, it just seems amazing to me that they can pull these things off. But if I could just run down all the horror stories that that I've heard and seen, you'd really be scared because the IRS really is the big bad IRS. You know, there was a time where they said that they've softened up and you know they've become nice and they and helpful, and it, it's just not true. And I'll tell you, one of the scenarios that. IRS revenue officers always do, you know, when they come knocking on your door because you haven't responded to them, uh, you know, to take an inventory of what you have or to meet you face-to-face and talk to you, they're always, their first approach is to play nice guy at first. Like, I just want to get this case off my desk. Just get me this information, this information, and that information. And you think that they're just there to help you. Well, in all actuality, then you turn around, give them everything that they want, and they use it all against you. So, I mean, that's just one scenario. You, know, you, you talked a moment ago about, you know, trying to get your money back after they've already taken it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've urged somebody to get help now because once the IRS takes the money, it's going to be too late. It's next to difficult to get it back. You know, you can prevent these things from happening by just stepping up, being proactive, you know, step up to the plate, take the swing, get rid of it. You know, otherwise it's just going to get worse and worse because IRS is never going to forget. They're not going to just let it slide, and they collect on you if you owe five hundred dollars just as much as if you owe a hundred thousand. So, best thing to do is just be responsible, do your best to stay on top of things, and just because IRS doesn't play fair, you know, don't think you can pull the same shenanigans because they'll really uh, hurt you in that respect. Well, during our audit, we needed some information from the IRS office and uh, for the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And they promised me that if I would file an extension for them to look further into <laughs> yeah, they'd give me um, affidavits of what I wanted. I signed the extension. So they could do several more years because I knew this lady had been stealing all along after Mm -hmm. we finally dug into it. And they would not help me with anything. No records, no nothing. So (laughs) they just lied. They just lied to you to get you to sign the waiver. That's it. Because they only had so many years they could go back on and only so much time to perform that task and they get you to sign this waiver. And a lot of times they'll put that waiver in a bunch of other documents that you don't even know you're signing it. I've I've sat through that before. And I'm, I'm, I'm used to meet, you know, the heads of corporations and all their officers and sit down to get an idea of, of where they're at, what's going on. The revenue officer's already been out, and I was all, it's one of my first questions. Did you sign that waiver? Oh, no, didn't sign anything at all. Here's the documents to sign right there. <laughs> and I'd go through the list, go through the whole stack, and the waiver be right in the middle of them all. You mean this thing you didn't sign? <laughs> so yeah, they, they play these games all the time, and this is why it's so important to have a tax professional, you know, on your side, because we know what to do. I know what the IRS is going to do before they even do it. And I've been through it so many times over the last 20 plus years. 
there isn't anything that they pull that I'm surprised about lately, uh, except for when I saw that Social Security 50% garnishment. I was, I've never seen that before, and it was actually listed in the transcript. So uh, I'm, I'm eager to find out what's going to go on with that. But very rarely and, am I shocked. Wow, I'm shocked. Um, and do you think it's just because, partially because the system is such a giant slow grinding machine that things like this 50% social security tax or you know they're taking 50% of this gentleman's social security is just because somebody like you said woke up in a bad mood and decided to try do it and nobody's you know nobody behind him's going wait you can't do that what are you thinking is it just because it's such a giant machine that these kind of in regular accounting that would be called an error wouldn't it yeah um I couldn't tell you that. I don't know. I I know in this okay. particular, you know, I don't I don't want to get in too much detail about this guy's case. Even right. Though okay. I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. his name, but um, I, I just have to say, I know I know they have a hard job keeping track of you know the entire country. I mean, I have a hard time keeping track of one company, you know, and all of the employees within it. You know, it's a difficult job. Take, trying to take care of a whole country has to be even more difficult. I, mean, I just wonder why they pick who they pick to work for them. Because you know, I told you before, I'm, I'm wondering what they're doing for a hiring process. You know, the, the people that I'm talking there, uh, I wonder if they even have a third grade education sometimes, and they always have an authority kick. So I, I think that's part of the problem, and I think just I don't know. Negligence, I would have to say. Just negligence. We have a comment yeah, from the audience, oh, not really a question, that uh, says, don't believe what the IRS tells you on the telephone. They can lie and be mistaken, but you are the one that's going to take the brunt of how they're wrong. Oh, exactly. And besides that, you know, if you're in what I call, I use a prison term, the general population at the IRS, and you don't have a revenue officer assigned to your case yet, you know, you're just one of the many cases in ACS, which is automated uh, collection systems. You'll call in to the IRS, and you couldn't get the same person twice if your life depended on it. You can have their ID number, their name, when you talk to them, you know, and, and everything you talked about with them. And when you call back, you won't get the same person again. Nine times out of ten, you won't even get to be put in the same office. You'll be in a different office in somewhere else in the country. And if that last person didn't put the notes in the system, it's just your word against nobody's. Wow. Yikes. Yeah. Well, it's the good part about that is that, uh, you know, if we're talking to someone that's not going along with what we're trying to negotiate, we can always, oops, lose the call, call back, and you know you're going to talk to someone different the next time. Just keep calling back till you're talking to someone that's in a good mood. <laughs> All right, that's a great goal. I love that. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a there that's actually go. a that's we're we're at the hour and I think that's kind of like a great close. Like there it is. <laughs> it's roulette. You just keep dialing till you find the one you like. <laughs> that's an amazing uh I'll keep that one down. It's a it's I knew it was gonna go fast and it's just it's such a you know, death taxes and speaking in public, take your choice. Uh, you know, I'll take speaking in public. And I don't even like that. Uh, so it's really just amazing how complex it has become. I mean, it's always been complex, but I mean, it just seems, I mean, I'm in my 60s. 
mid, and it just mm-hmm. seems like it's gotten harder and more complicated and more out of control in a certain way. That's my opinion. Uh, than it ever was. It just seems like it's sort of piling in on itself, a giant Rube Goldberg thing that is just rolling and getting more complex. And I, it's just, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't have any answer. That's just the, my opinion about, you know, what a mess it seems to be. And I'm glad there are people like you out there that can go, no, we can do this. We'll figure it out. I have people who know what the answer is. That's great. Um, so once again, I'll remind everybody that you can find Michael uh, Dean's team at mytaxhelpmd.com. And do you want to give your phone number again for the listening audience? Sure, it's 888-557-4020. Great. Now, feel free to call me anytime for a free consultation. You know, If you just want to say hi, I'm more than happy to talk to you. I'll be calling you after we hang up. All right. <laughs> hey, I want to thank you all for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, had a great time, and hopefully we've educated some people out there and, and hopefully maybe got some procrastinators to think that maybe they've got to do something moving forward because that's very, very important. You know, I said it before, You know, if you're one of the people listening to this show and you know, you've had this hanging over your head, don't let it hang over your head anymore. Give me a call. You know, it's absolutely free. doesn't cost you anything at all to find out what can be done. So what can it hurt? Great. Thank you. You bet. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of the weekend. And we're doing a show on Tuesday. And do we know about what, Sherry? Are you doing open vocal profiles or do we have a theme? Um, I think we're doing neuroplasticity. Oh, perfect. Okay. It's for your brain. Or it might be compatibility. I don't know. Which one? Oh, that's right. Valentine's Day. It might be compatibility. Uh, All right. Well, it'll be adventure. We'll all find out on Tuesday. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of the weekend. Bye-bye.